Hey friends, welcome back to the journal feed. My name is Nick Selt, and this is the only place to get spoon-fed the latest and greatest of emergency medicine. We are keeping you guys up on the latest literature by spoon-feeding it to you. All right, let's see everything that we covered. Let's have the quick hits. First off, it's hard to prove that long COVID even exists. Second, dark skin causes occult hypoxemia through less reliable measurements gotten by pulse oximetry. Third, there's a better way to intubate through a fast track LMA. After that, from the fourth article, which blade is better, Macintosh 3 or 4? Turns out it's 3. And then from the last article, we do a review of pericardial tamponade. If you are hearing this right now, then you are not currently a Journal Feed subscriber and so are not receiving the full Journal Feed podcast, only receiving a portion of the past week's articles. Don't worry, we're going to still pick really good ones for you, but if you would like to get full access to both the podcast and the blog, then you will have to become a member. All the details for that are at journalfeed.org, and remember that we never want money to be a barrier to better patient care. So if you're having any trouble affording a subscription, just get in touch. This is the audio version of the past week summaries, which this week were brought to you by Aaron Lacey, Seth Walsh-Blackmore, and Clay Smith. Okay, so here's the first article titled A Longitudinal Study of COVID-19 Sequelae and Immunity, Baseline Findings Out of the Annals of Internal Medicine. Woohoohoo, I like this. How come no one told me there's a more scientific name for long COVID? These guys are calling it Post-Acute Sequelae of SARS-CoV-2, or PASC. PASC? PASC? PASC. PASC. No doubt you've seen people who have come into the eMERGE with vague, kind of non-specific symptoms, and it all started after their COVID infection. Patients in this study were those kinds of patients. They were patients who had recovered from asymptomatic or moderate COVID infections four to six weeks ago. And then they were asked about persistent symptoms. But can we actually find anything wrong with these people who are reporting long COVID or persistent symptoms from their COVID PASC? This was an NIH study of 189 patients four to six weeks out from their COVID infection. Only 12% were hospitalized, and these were compared to 120 negative controls. 55% of people with COVID reported symptoms of PASC, compared to 13% of the controls. Associated factors were female gender and self-reported history of anxiety. The most common symptoms were fatigue, dyspnea, anosmia, parosmia, an impairment in concentration, headache, memory troubles, insomnia, chest pain, anxiety, myalgias, tinnitus, palpitations, and that's just the short list of it. All of this kind of sounds like, to me, a really anxious gendet patient. Now, despite all of these symptoms, there were no abnormal physical exam findings except for maybe some muscle tenderness and laboratory, neurocognitive, cardiopulmonary, immunological, and virological abnormalities were completely absent compared to the control group. All the same, the COVID group had a lower quality of life score. So these patients really are suffering, we just can't detect exactly why. All that said, even if we don't find anything right now, I mean, if COVID has shown us anything, it's that it can do anything. In a spoonful, as far as we can detect, there's nothing wrong with people reporting long COVID symptoms. That said, they're still suffering. And it's a logical fallacy to try to prove a negative. Just because we can't detect it doesn't mean it's not there. Then we have the second article titled Racial Bias and Reproducibility in Pulse Oximetry Among Medical and Surgical Inpatients in General Care in the Veterans Health Administration 2013-2019. to 2019. 
multi-center retrospective cohort study out of the BMJ. Ooh, I was flagging there for a second. Now, this is not the first time that we covered this problem, so hopefully you're at least a little bit familiar that pulse oximetry doesn't necessarily perform the same with different skin tones. At least that's true of critically ill patients in the ICU, but what about less sick patients? Just your run-of-the-mill general medicine or surgical patients. Spoiler, the answer is yes, your skin tone still matters. This was a multi-center retrospective study of 30,000 patients with paired arterial blood gases and oximetry readings which were done within 10 minutes of each other. They found that occult hypoxemia, which is when the SAO2 is less than 88%, but the SPO2 reading is above 92%. Now this was seen in 16% of white patients and 20% of black patients, which was statistically different. They did not find a statistical difference between white and Hispanics, though. Okay, this freaks me right out. We make a lot of decisions based on pulse oximetry. Can you imagine how many COVID patients were actually sent home when they really required oxygen? So if your black patient, or honestly even your white patients, are straddling the 92%, then you should consider that their SAO2 might be even lower. Now, the founder and CEO of Massimo, which is a company that makes pulse oximeters, well, the original study that kind of brought all this problem to light that was out of the New England Journal of Medicine, well, they kind of critiqued that original article, stating that they didn't control for things like sickle cell anemia and methemoglobin, and that the Massimo devices could do better. Now, despite that, this finding has been replicated several times, and it seems to be fairly robust. In a spoonful, I wonder how much of the mortality differences that we're seeing in COVID could be attributed to this. Our pulse oximeters are biased. Occult hypoxemia is more common in black patients. Also, if there are any bioengineers out there, I'd put some money on the marketability of saturation probes that can counter this bias. You know, just maybe you'd want to work on that. So let's do a review. Let's just do a quick snippet of everything that we covered this week. First, you can rest assured that at least as far as we can tell, there's nothing wrong with your body if you have long COVID. So hopefully there's no permanent damage. Second, a patient's true oxygen saturation may be lower than the SAT probe says. More commonly, this is going to be true in black patients. So perhaps consider double checking with a more objective measure, like getting some labs, and this will help with your decisions, especially when those are important decisions. Links to all the articles summarized can be found at journalfeed.org, where the newsletter is going to be the best place to change the podcast into not just a useful podcast, but also some space repetition. Now, if you're feeling a little bit of FOMO, you realize that I only listed off two of the articles that we covered when really there were five. Well, if you'd like to hear all of them, then you'll have to join us in the members feed. Our goal here is to provide better patient care through spoon feeding. And so we're trying to help you keep up with the latest research, one spoonful at a time.